Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12 just quickly, because I want you to see some things could hinder your race with God. They may be okay for some Christians, but maybe not for you. So we're not into legalism. We're not trying to sniff out sin, but I think there's some common sense things. Later on, we'll get into it about eating meat and all kinds of other things that will come up. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Some Christians believe that to do Christianity right, all Christians have to practice their faith the same way they do. Any deviations from their baseline is thought to be straying from the true faith. But what Pastor Mark will be teaching today is that while God does have some absolute requirements, he leaves loads of room to accommodate the many personalities of his followers. You'll be encouraged to admit to and accept the personality differences your brothers and sisters have and love them anyway. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 with today's edition of Lessons for Living. We're going to turn to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. As we open the Bible tonight, we will see that our world, to be very honest, our world is clueless. I mean, all our world does now is what? Sue everybody. Doesn't matter what happened, they just sue everybody. So let me ask you a question as we start. Which do you think about most, and I don't want you to raise your hand, please don't raise your hand. Which do you think about most, biblical prophecy in the end of the world, or do you think about things that are sexual? That would move right along. Which you think about most? I already know the answer to that. Shame on you people. It's okay. Well, I don't have to give you the answer because we already know. Here's the first thing you want to write down because the world is clueless about this first key. God gave us the great gift of sexuality, physical intimacy. And now it's interesting as we've been studying 1 John, we've understood a principle in 1 John. The whole thing of 1 John is this. Know that you know that you know. You're going to see two important keys as we talk about sexuality and marriage and divorce. Two keys. A lack of. Number one, the lack of biblical knowledge. They don't know what we're going to talk about here. And you'll see in this passage of scripture that we're in, Paul says, you don't know? You don't know? And the second thing is, you're going to see that the world that Paul was teaching, they had the wrong concept of God, that there was no fun, there was no enjoyment, 
John has to write it. He said, God's commandments are not grievous. It's not a burden to obey God. God's commandments don't take the pleasure out of life. In fact, exactly the opposite. God's commandments are good for us, including the area of sexuality and marriage. God wanted to protect the foundation of the world. What is the foundation of the world? It's the home. He wanted to protect that, of course, marriage from infidelity and divorce. So he gives us lots of things in the scriptures. We'll cover quite a few of them in the next three weeks. And so God knew this wonderful drive that he gave us, just like food or hunger or thirst, this sexual drive, needed to have maximum fulfillment, but within the boundaries of what he would design. Now, Paul is writing to Corinth. He'd been there 18 months. He was now away. He's writing back. And remember, Corinth, sexual immorality was normal. It was just the way people lived. And nobody thought anything about having sex in any way possible with all kinds of people. So much so that we know the temples, the pagan temples, were places where prostitutes just came down into the town, had sex, and took the money back to make sure that the temples could do business as normal. That was kind of the place they were at. So everybody was doing it. And so people thought, well, it's okay, it's all right. That's pretty much our mentality. Whatever it is, just go for it. Now, there's another thing that enters into it, and it's hard for us to understand because we don't think this way. The Greeks always really looked down on the body. In fact, there was a saying in the Greek culture, this, the body is a tomb. They believed the only important thing was the soul or the spirit of man. And the body was simply a thing that didn't matter. Now, you're going to see this later. That mentality ends up with this, that sexuality and sexual intercourse is nothing but a physical thing, has absolutely nothing to do with spirit, has nothing to do with emotion. It's just a physical drive. So obviously, if that was true, that's what they did. We know that is not true biblically. So this wrong mentality that was in the community carried over into the church. So remember what we talked about? Wrong belief leads to wrong living. So this is exactly what happened. And you'll see the church kind of believed this. A Christian is free to do whatever he or she likes with the body. So Paul goes, "Uh uh-oh, got a problem. We need to address it. That's not true. Now, church history reveals a lot to us, some very sad things. Over and over, we see all the way from back then till even today that followers of Christ somehow get squeezed into the culture that they live in. Instead of being light in a dark culture, the church kind of finds its way into matching what the society does. So Paul tells the Romans, don't let the world squeeze you into the way you think. But this is exactly what's happened. So today, it's the same for us. Our world has influenced not only the world but it's influenced the church. So much of what Paul writes in chapter 6 and all of chapter 7 speaks to right where you and I live. It's not something outside the church. It's not something bizarre. It's right here. So let's see what God says. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 
And I'm going to start at the end of the passage and work backwards. So if you'll sneak down to verse 19. Look what Paul writes. Do you not know? So it's a reminder of something that he had taught, but they'd forgotten it. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Question mark. Don't you know? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. So let me give you a couple keys as we talk about marriage. Marriage is going to be a little different with sexuality. Same principles, but very much kind of what we struggle with in our world today. Number one, my body is God's temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. You need to know that. Without a doubt, you need to know that. God created me, body, soul, and spirit. The spirit part of me is the one that's going to live forever. That's the part that should rule my life. At salvation, God, the Holy Spirit, came to live in my body, in your body as well, so that I actually became the temple of the living God. Now, that means that God is in charge of my body, of my soul, and my spirit. Now, Paul then goes on to tell us what that fact looks like. Look at verse 20. Therefore, honor God with your body. Number two, you want to write. My goal is to honor God with my body. In other words, make God looks, look good. It's not my own. I was bought. Jesus paid by his salvation, his death, the price. So I'm not my own. I can't live as I desire in lots of different ways, including my sexuality. My whole being, my body, soul, and spirit belong to God. As a Christ follower, I'm to use all of me to make God look good, to make him look different than the world thinks. Now, think about Paul, what he wrote in Romans. I'll read it to you because we have too much to cover. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says this. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living, not a dead sacrifice, a living and holy sacrifice, the kind God finds acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So it isn't just a thing of the mind. It isn't just a thing of the heart. It's the whole being, body, soul, and spirit. Now, go back to verse 12 with that premise. If you're a Christian, your body, soul, and spirit is God's. He lives in you. It's the temple of God. Now, verse 12, Paul begins speaking to the Corinthians. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by everything. Now, this was a common phrase of unbelievers, of the pagan world, the Corinthian people. And the church began to use this to justify their immoral behavior. Everything's permissible for me. Everything's lawful for me. We're not under the law anymore, Old Testament. We're under grace, so it doesn't really matter. Everything is that way. So Paul would clarify this open statement, and I tried to put it in terms I think that you can understand tonight. Paul would say, well, 
Yeah, but it's a common saying in the community, and it's not too bad in the church, but, well, you can't make it open-ended. you got to put a couple ifs or buts in it. So here's what I want you to write. Number one, as Christ followers, we can do anything. There is freedom within God's commands. You just can't do what you want. I'm free now. Just do whatever I want. No, no. God's commands still hold. The word of God is still true. That's why they're called commands. You just can't go outside of that. Paul is not saying that it's permissible to sin. It's okay for me to sin because I'm free now. I can do whatever I want. Not at all. We hear a lot of people begin to understand that. We even have that in the church today. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm a Christian. I accepted the Lord back at the Billy Graham crusade in, you know, in 72. And I just live however I want to live now because I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. No, we already talked about First John. You can't keep on sinning as a habit and say you're born again. That's impossible. And so evidently the Christians were going, pretty good slogan, hey? It's a license to live any way you want. Maybe you're here, maybe you're listening. You go, well, that's kind of the way I think. Well, you're wrong. No, God's word is the one that takes precedent over all of that. Obeying God's commands does not destroy my freedom. It doesn't destroy my creativity. It doesn't destroy my joy or my excitement. It's exactly the opposite. Remember, we learned God is a God of freedom, but that freedom comes from obeying his commands. So second thing you want to write is this, but as a Christ follower, not everything is good for me. And you could even put in the parentheses, not everything is the best for me. Understand that some practices, though lawful, some things that are fine, really could have detrimental effects on the believer's walk with Christ or in the lives of the others. Later on in Romans, Paul says this, I have to be careful as a believer that I don't stumble other believers. Now that has some guidelines in both ways. But see, I'm not free just to live to myself. So I have to be careful i.e., so you'll understand, typically communion would have been taken, celebrated with regular wine. So what do we use for communion? We use grape juice. Now, why is that? Because we have lots of people in our congregations who came from a life of what? Alcohol. So we don't want to stumble them. So it's okay. It's not about what's in the gling anyway. It's about recognizing it's a representation of the body of Christ. So there's lots of things like that that we have to be very careful about. In other words, understand that some things in life are not the best for me. Now, I can't tell you how to use your time wisely. Remember? Love God. Love people. And use my time for the kingdom of God. I can't tell you the best way to do that. You have to decide that. It might be lawful to do all kinds of things. Now, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12 just quickly. Because I want you to see some things could hinder your race with God. They may be okay for some Christians, but maybe not for you. So we're not into legalism. We're not trying to sniff out sin. But I think there's some common sense things. Later on, we'll get into it about eating meat and all kind of other things that will come up. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So some of the things that hinder us are not sin. They're just not the best thing for us. I can't tell what that is for you. 
You have to decide that. Then he says, there's this kind of over-encompassing sin that somehow it's something that I'm always dealing with. Then he says this, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I have my race, you have yours. As we're doing that, don't put your eyes on the world. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scoring in shame, and sat down at the right end of the throne. Now, again, I can't tell you which are good or best for you. That's for you and God to work out in your own life. And I can't judge somebody else, and you don't want to have them judging you. I'll just mention some things that are good, but if taken out of context and not spending time wisely, could hinder your race from God. Sports. Hobbies, food. I'll just move right along after that one. Computer games, smartphones, Facebook, Twitterers, travel, vacation, watching TV. You can add the list. We have so many things today that take our time, don't we? I'm sorbus. Not bad things if they're under control, if they don't control you. Now, let's go back. What's Paul saying in verse 12, 1 Corinthians 6, 12? Watch how he puts it. I love how he puts it. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. A lot of good things, but they're not the best. Then he says this, everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. I want you to understand this principle. The only power that should control our lives is the Holy Spirit. Drugs, alcohol, Gambling, computers, television, sports, vacations, you name it, whatever. Many of those things are good, not necessarily the drugs. Some drugs are good because we have to be on them for our own health. But what I'm saying is you have to understand that I don't want to be in the control of a substance or a game. Many Christians are controlled by money and their next door neighbor. I got to have this. I got to have that. No, you just want to come under the control of the Holy Spirit. So we don't want to be in bondage to anything. We want to live under his influence. And that is what brings us real freedom. Now, that's not where you go and go, well, why are you doing this? Petsmark said that thing over there. Well, how come you're playing that game on your computer? Petsmark said that's not good for you. Shut up. That has nothing to do with anything. That's not your role, is it? How many have trouble with your own self right now? Right? I just, how many, your worst enemy is who? Just raise your hand. Just point to yourself. That's my worst enemy. So take care of yourself with the Holy Spirit and everything will be fine. Now, verse 13. You thought I was done with food. Ah, here we go. (laughs) Food for the stomach and the stomach for the food. But God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Verse 14. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. This was another common saying that worked its way into the church. And Paul had to say, no, 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 no. The church was using this for sexual immorality. They reasoned, again, that principle that I mentioned at the beginning, that sex was simply biological, purely biological, just like eating. Here's the way the reasoning went in the church. It sounded like this. My body wants food, so what do I do? I eat. And my body wants sex, so what do I do in those days? I get a prostitute. What's the problem? 
So Paul says, no, you're wrong. Now, when Paul talks about the body, Greek term he uses soma. It relates again to what we talked about, body, soul, and spirit. Not just the body. God designed our bodies with a stomach, and it uses food to nourish us. But in the end, these stomachs and this sense of being dependent on hunger is going to be gone in heaven. By the way, you're going to be able to eat in heaven. Good stuff, and you'll never gain an ounce. Go to here and there. Amen right now. Yeah, that was worth coming to church for, all right? But our whole person in this moral sense, relevant to our sexual conduct, notice that last verse, will be raised up by the Lord at the resurrection. So what we do in our bodies in regard to food does not affect us in the same way that we do our bodies in regard to sex. So you want to write this down because the world does not understand this principle at all. God designed our sexual drive to be physical, but also emotional and spiritual. The world doesn't understand that at all, has no concept of that. It's simply a physical act. It satisfies a hunger that we all have been designed with, a sexual hunger, and that's all there is to it. Now, look at verse 13 again. I'll probably mention this twice. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. That word is pornea. And it's a wide range of sexual sin. I'll talk more about that in a moment. It's all kinds of sexual sin. Now, look at verse 15. Here we go again. Do you not know? Same principle. They knew or they forgot, so he's teaching them. Maybe new people have come to Christ. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? We already proved that as we started earlier, the last verse and going forward. Shall I then take? the members of Christ, and unite them with a prostitute. Now, Paul doesn't beat around the bush. What does he say? Never. Now, we wouldn't necessarily put prostitute in there. We put a friend, hooking up, whatever, all kind of things that we do today. In those days, it was the prostitutes. It was from the temple. Well, it's from the temple. It's okay. Money goes back to the temple. Pay your temple. What is wrong with you, Paul says. Now, look at verse 16. Do you not know, here we go again, That he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body. Now, where'd that word one come? You'll see it. For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. What Paul was saying is this. Whenever a believer commits immorality, he or she is dragging that union with Christ into an illicit spiritual relationship. You say, it's sinful. And so, if a person, a Christian, is having sex outside of marriage or extramarital affair or before marriage, and they're Christian, who's living in them? God is. So they're dragging a sinner into a sinful situation. It's not just the body. It's body, soul, and spirit. So it's not physical, but this intercourse involves the whole person. In Pastor Mark's teaching today, you learn that two reasons the world doesn't understand sexuality is that they don't understand God's character and they don't know what the Bible says about sex. You were reminded that God invented sex to be part of marriage and that it was to create homes and families, which are the building block of a stable society. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue teaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. He'll delve more into the concept of biblical sexuality. You'll find out more about God's intention for sex and why he wants it done only within the bounds of a heterosexual, monogamous relationship. You'll also find out about what it means to be free from a biblical standpoint. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, People, Problems, and Practical Helps. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.